I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome into this week's episode of the Utah, It's Utah's World. I say this week's episode, there are multiple now, so I've got to change up the way I introduce the show. I do apologize. I'm Tom Hackett alongside Steve Bartle with you all as always. Uh, this podcast brought to you by NetWeek Subaru, our good friends, 1207 South Main Street. Share the love event happening now through January 4th. Deals, deals, deals. It's that time of year they need and want to get uh, cars off their lot and you or at least some of you anyway, are in the need of uh, a few a few vehicles or a vehicle to, to steady your way through this winter, head on down there, check them out, say hi. Great customer service, been in business for as long as any Subaru dealership has been in North America, so that says it all. Steve, my man, we're here to break down the Oregon State Beavers. Um, what's going on, dude? How's life? Man. Doing, uh, doing okay, man. We're doing okay. You know, we're we're surviving. We're getting through it. We got a basketball game tipping off here in a little bit. That's uh, right. We got, you know, late another late kick. We got another late kick on Saturday night. So, you know, we're we're doing okay. Before we before we dive right into the Beavers, uh, this is Wednesday, hence the basketball game. Utah Washington, twenty minutes from now, so the game will be over by the time people are listening to this. We won't talk about it at all. So, mm-hmm. um. I haven't heard anything regarding COVID-19 outbreaks or anything from either party, Utah or Oregon State. You haven't either, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, so we're pretty safe. I have safe. not heard. Yeah. Yeah, because it should be Wednesday. pretty safe. I mean, obviously, you never know. Yeah, it is Wednesday. Um, you know, obviously, you never know with these things. But I think, um, I think Utah in particular has done a good job of learning from you know from uh their experience and and have kind of taken some measures to sure that you know they're uh that doesn't happen again and so Oregon State has you know they've been pretty good so far they've been pretty healthy and and uh yeah I think we're we're you know we're we're you're never in the clear but I think we're in pretty good shape here as as we talk on Wednesday yeah but yeah that's I guess yeah I wanted to start there because it is Wednesday, as I, as we've talked about, and, and that, that means, you know, there's really three days if yeah. you include Saturday because of the late kick where things could potentially get a bit dicey. But we haven't heard anything, so we're just going to assume that the game is uh, is all going ahead and uh, and we'll be good to go. Um, hey, I want to start here. So you guys over at Zone, by the way, if you, if you haven't just at least checked Zone out and you're a fan of the University of Utah, 
You are a fool. Okay, my friend, you have got to go check them out. Utone.com, they have deals. Is the seven-day free trial still available? Yeah, yeah. If, if you've never been with us, uh, you can you can come check us out. Uh, Seven-day seven free uh, free VIP trial. Nice. Where you, you have access to all our VIP content, our message boards. So, yeah, if you haven't checked us out previously, come check us out. Awesome. Uh you guys over at Utone caught up with Oregon State insider Angie Machado, uh, and and, and, yeah. I, and I read this piece. It was one of your free pieces, but but uh, really great insight in, into that program. I mean, you know, she she knows. I'm assuming it's a she as well, by the way, based on the name Angie. Yes, but, yeah. but she knows the Beavers better than better than most people in the country. What what did you take away from from the conversation with her, Steve? Yeah, she has been covering the Oregon State Beavers for a number of years. Um, so she's she's on top of things. She kind of, you know, she's in a lot of ways, she's the Dan Sorensen of, of the Oregon State beat where she's just been covering it. Dan is now entering his 15th year at, with, with Ute Zone. And Angie is in a very similar situation with, you know, her Oregon State site. Uh, and so she's she's seen a lot of, of Oregon State football and kind of knows what to expect. And um, yeah, she's on she's on top of things uh, up there for the Beavers. So um, you know she's always uh, very very insightful and honest. And I think she kind of understands where Oregon State is at. Um, and you know she's uh, she's pretty honest about things and, and how things uh, tend to go. So. Um, yeah, it was so. That's our, our, you know, our free piece with uh, with Angie. Know your foe, the Oregon State Beavers. You can check that out of Ute Zone, and you know she definitely uh, gives you a lot of great insight into the Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, uh, to to give you guys some background for those that have been knee deep in work this week, the Beavers have played uh, four games now four games yeah four games games. so uh they lost to washington state 38 28 that's a 10 point margin of uh, deficit and then they they barely lost to washington by six points 21 27 in fact you go back and watch that game uh, that there were a few calls late in the fourth quarter that you know were very pac-12 official-esque head scratches uh where you go you know you could probably have probably have given Oregon State a first down there. Instead, they didn't. And uh, and Washington ended up winning that game. And then they beat Cal 31-27 in another tightly contested fixture. And then, of course, last week, I mean, we all know the outcome here, 41-38 against the then-ranked, what were they, 18th, 16th Oregon Ducks in Corvallis. Uh, very, very yeah. big. Although yeah. 15, there you go. They were, they were, they were the highest-ranked. You Pac-12 um, team uh, undefeated, of course, and then they they upset them in in, in what was essentially must-watch television. I mean that that game was was really fun to watch, to be quite frank. Um, and so they're 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 kind of humming along quite nicely now. Two and two, the the two losses came at the start of the season. They're, they're looking for their third consecutive victory against Utah Saturday evening, eight thirty p.m. kick. And I guess like. You know, you you look at the Oregon State Beavers, Steve, um, and you look at their offense. Uh, really, one one player stands out amongst the rest, uh, and that's running back Jefferson. He he is quite simply a freak of nature. 
Uh, he went for 226 yards against Oregon. Yeah. And by the way, this is an Oregon defense yeah. that's really pretty good. Like, they still have Thibodeau. Do you remember Thibodeau? Utah fans surely remember yep. Thibodeau from the Pac-12 championship game. He ate Utah's lunch. Too soon, man. Loud. Too soon. <laughs> they, they, they've yeah, got really good. Soon. They've got some really good players on that defense, and he went for two twenty-six. It's the most ever between Oregon and Oregon State in in the history of 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 the rivalry, Steve. Yeah. What, what, who is this man? Just incredible. Yeah. No. Just incredible. And Jamar Jefferson is, you know, he's he's a, a pretty impressive talent, and he's, you know, he's kind of had an interesting career at Oregon State. He was a freshman a couple of years ago. And had you know kind of a, a breakout freshman campaign, um, uh, but then just you know last season uh, wasn't able to stay healthy, wasn't able to put together his you know his best effort last season, and so you know expectations were kind of all over the place with Jamar Jefferson. But you know so far through four games for Oregon State, he's averaging nearly 170 rushing yards um, and nearly two touchdowns on the ground you know, through four games. So he's a, uh, he's a, a very good athlete, uh, but also runs uh, with, with good contact balance and, and good agility. He's got a great knack for, you know, making cuts and, you know, kind of making guys miss. He's not, you know, he's not a, a jitterbug where he's, you know, he's shifty and kind of will, will, will break your ankles. He's not that type of running back, you know, in, in the mold of like a Britain Covey type of a runner. Uh, but, you know, he'll, he's, a you know, a, like a, a one cut type of back where he'll put his foot in the ground and he'll get upfield. And, you know, he's got the athleticism where he can create some explosive plays. And you've seen it um, for Oregon State over the last two weeks. He had 226 yards against Oregon. But then, you know, the week before, he had 196 yards against Cal, uh, who, you know, they've been – solid on defense i wouldn't say that they've been great but they're with justin wilcox there they're definitely known more for their defense but you know with that 100 196 rushing yard total he averaged nearly 11 yards uh per carry on on 18 carries against california so you know he's he's an explosive guy and uh and utah's definitely got their uh their work cut out for him this week steve um so the past two games on the Oregon State opening drive, and again, this was from the U-Zone piece that, that you guys put up with Andrew Machado, mm-hmm. he's gone 75 yards and 82 yards in back-to-back opening drives. Yeah. And that, 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 you know, like, that is just insanity. I mean, uh, yeah. and you know what I love about him? Because I did actually, I sat down and watched uh, most of the Oregon State game. I was watching it with, with my brother-in-law who lives across the street, and I actually said, you know, Oregon State could beat Oregon here. I, I, I was quite impressed with, with my prediction. Uh, <laughs> I, I watched yeah. most of that game. Jamar Jefferson's the type of player where you look at him and you go, okay, he, he, he just comes, he's like a, he, he looks like he's more of like a Devin Brumfield than anything. Um, yeah. And what I mean by that is he's quite round, he's quite broad, and, he, and he's quite muscular. He just, he, he looks quite thick. You know, and, and sturdy. Yeah. Um, but then you watch him play, and the second he gets into the secondary, he's got breakaway speed for crying out loud. So he's he's almost yeah. like you know, and I, I'm trying not to get too far ahead of myself here, but he's almost like the, the prototypical perfect back. 
you know, where, where if, you, yeah. if you need no, to get three and one, he's got yeah. it. And then if he gets into the secondary, uh, going up against safety, I mean, game over. I mean, what, how on earth, what did you target? Right. Are they going to stack nine in the box? You know, they may have to. And, and you know, with Jamar Jefferson, that's, that's a great point that you bring up that, you know, he is, you know, he's not just this slender type of, of backer. Uh, he's, he's got some, he's got a, a, quite the build, you know, he's able to run in between the tackles and that's where he's found a lot of his, his success is running inside. He's just been able to, you know, to, to sift through the traffic inside and then spring free and, and, and get loose, you know, in the secondary where he can kind of open up and, and show off his speed. So yeah, he's, he's got a great blend of, of contact balance where he can kind of run through some some tackles, uh, but he's got the speed to be a home run threat, as you as you mentioned with those those big plays, you know, seventy and eighty yards. Uh, so he's got some ability, and Utah's got their work cut out for him. Um, you know what's what's impressive uh, about what Utah has done so far, you know, in their first two games against USC and Washington, is that you know they they've limited these teams to you know, nearly a third of their typical production in the run game, you know, and that's, you know, it's not just because, you know, Utah's controlling the clock, you know, on offense, <laughs> like we, we know what's going on on the offense. Um, but the, the defense uh, stopping the run on defense is always priority. Number one under Kyle Whittingham. We've seen it through the first two weeks, but they, this might be, and this is crazy saying it, especially coming off of the Washington game, you know, with what they have, in terms of their offensive line and their running backs and just the talent that they have. But this might be the biggest test uh, with their for their run defense just because of you know how well Jamar Jefferson is running and how well the offensive line is is you know blocking for him. So this is gonna be a good test. But I think in terms of how Utah matches up with Oregon State um, and where they're finding success in the run game. I still think there's there should be plenty of confidence in Utah's ability to limit Jermar Jefferson, uh, you know, with the big defensive line that Utah has with Devin Lloyd, who has just been phenomenal through two games, uh, attacking downhill and, and making stops at behind or around the line of scrimmage. You know, Devin Lloyd has been really, really impressive through these first two games. And I think he's going to be key uh, for Utah in in limiting Jamar Jefferson this week. No kidding. Uh, you know, it's, what's also interesting about the productivity from from Oregon State on the ground is, you know, Tristan Gebbia, and I hope I pronounced his last name okay. Uh, I think it's Jebbia. Jebbia. I, I when I when like I, a J. Yeah. When yeah. I went to say that, I was like, Gebbia just doesn't sound like a last name. <laughs> so I'm I apologize, yeah. but Jebbia. <laughs> He's like a he's yeah. more like a pro style bat, uh, quarterback, Steve. Where right, like, like he's not much of a threat on the ground. And so anytime Oregon State run the football, I mean, like there's only one guy out. It's not like they have a dual threat. My point is, it's not like they have a dual threat quarterback that you know they run right. a ton of RPO and and the quarterbacks you know just as dangerous if he gets in open spaces. Jefferson is. It's like no, no, no. That they have like a pretty prototypical. St- oh, they did. I should say, and we'll get into that in a minute. But you know, Jebbia is he's a he's a three step, five step, seven drop back step quarterback. He he doesn't really tuck it and run a ton. So, um, it it, it it's fascinating. I, I look, I I personally, 
I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan of what Oregon State's been able to do. I'll, I'll just go out and say that. I, I, they've yeah. been down the bottom of the Pac-12 a long time. And what Coach Smith up there's accomplished in, in the few years he's been around, uh, I, I've seen improvement. Um, and, and Jefferson, I mean, Jefferson's the t- sort of player. And you can even argue Jebbia, the, the quarterback that, that pulled his hamstring in like the second to last play against Oregon. And, and by the way, it sounds like he won't play. And again, we'll get to that here in a split second. But uh, like Jefferson, he he wouldn't have committed to Oregon State a couple of years ago. There's just no way. Uh, but I think the way the program's at, where it's at, I should say, and kind of the trajectory, Oregon State all of a sudden are a team, as was a great example last week against Oregon. They're now a team that you can't just kind of pencil a win against uh if you're utah yeah uh, this is going to be this is going to be a, a, a bit of a dog fight i think and um and a great test for for a young utah team um to go up against maybe you know the best back in in all of the conference but i guess to the quarterback yeah. position and, and to speak more on that um john canzano from the i think it's the oregonian uh reported earlier this week that it, it, it seems more and more likely Jebby is going to be unavailable. Uh, in fact, he may be done for the year. Uh, and so we've got Chase Nolan, Steve, who's going to come in. Yeah. Uh, transfer from Saddleback College. Uh, and uh, and you guys over at Ute Zone are predicting maybe a little more RPO, which may well complicate things even further for the Utah defense. Right. Yeah. No, this is... Uh, you know, with with Tristan Jebbia being more of that pro style quarterback, you know, he, he was a good athlete, but he wasn't a guy that you know you're going to feature in some read options because you know you want to you want to get him out on the perimeter and, and and do some things that you know that way you know with your quarterback. But that's exactly what what uh, what Nolan, what Chase Nolan is for the Oregon State Beavers. Now he's a little bit more athletic, a little a little bit more of a dual threat. Uh, and so that's going to provide them uh, some opportunities to utilize uh, the read option, the the read pat, the run pass option, the RPOs, uh, where you know you're going to try to get him involved in the run game a little bit more than uh, than Jebbia was. And so that's going to be an interesting factor uh, because you know you you have four games of tape on Oregon State, but now that they have to transition to a completely new quarterback who has who offers a different skill set uh, than than what you you have on tape so far? Uh, it adds a you know a, a wrinkle for Oregon State. It adds a, a new layer that you know Utah doesn't have film on. Fortunately, you know he's not uh, a, Nolan is not a super dynamic athlete by any means. You know he's not um, you know he's, he's not gonna you know beat anybody, you know, for, for 80 yards, but he can run and, and he can, he can do some things. He's very mobile and that's just going to provide a, a new challenge for this Utah defense. But uh, as we've seen, you know, Utah will be prepared for the run game. They always make it the top priority and, and the, the, the read option, the RPO stuff, while it's, you know, it's, it's going to provide a, a new challenge that you can't necessarily prepare for in terms of what you see on tape, you know, having gone through as much uh, preparation elsewhere, you know, and preparing for read options and RPOs, Utah should still be in pretty good shape to defend Chase Nolan. Um, and, you know, Nolan is, he's an interesting quarterback uh, because, you know, Utah was kicking the tires on him last recruiting cycle as well. You know, he, he kind of, 
came on late in the cycle in in 2020 and you know Utah is kind of looking at potentially adding another quarterback and you know they they ended up with Justice Cooper as that kid uh, as the guy that they brought in but Chase Nolan was definitely a guy that you know they they kicked the tires on him were interested in well, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before but um but Utah definitely was interested in in Nolan and bringing him into the program and uh, you know, they, they liked his, his dual threat ability, which, you know, speaks to, you know, his, his talent level. So, you know, Nolan is, is going to be an interesting uh, player to watch and just kind of the impact that he has. I do think that he'll be utilized in the run game uh, to kind of complement Jefferson and to take advantage of the attention that Utah will likely put on, on Jefferson. Um, but uh, ultimately, I, you know, I'm just not sure that he's the type of talent that can come into, you know, Rice Eccles Stadium against a Utah team that's playing well defensively and, and and lead the Beavers to victory. Yeah, it's it'll be it'll be fascinating. Um, so a yeah. year ago, you know, a year ago Utah went up to Corvallis and blew the wheels off the Beavers. Uh, Zach Moss went wild in the five or so carries he had he had that big long you know 80 odd yard touchdown where he nearly got hawked by the backside safety but was able to shrug him and 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 score for for a really long touchdown I mean they blew him out by like 40 some points it was ridiculous but uh one of the more entertaining just one-on-one matchups a year ago was Isaiah Hodgins versus Jalen Johnson Jalen Johnson shadowed Isaiah Hodgins um the Oregon State Beaver wide receiver. I mean, he, he's a talent. He's in the league now, uh, so yeah. they don't have him. They they have they have receivers, but they're all very small. If I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all pretty undersized. Uh, sprinkle in a, a duo of tight ends that are that are that are standing at like six four six five. You know, and that's kind of where you get the height from in the pass catching game. But anybody on the outside. Uh, is is under six foot, which which yeah. if, if I'm Utah, I mean, I think I like right. No, I I agree with you. I think you know you're you're looking at these receivers, and you know they are productive. Trevon Bradford and and Colby Taylor, these are productive players that will still challenge Utah's young secondary. You know, particularly uh, to Travis Broughton and, and Clark Phillips. Um, you know, those two are. are likely going to be responsible for those, those two players. Uh, and so, you know, these, these two guys, they are smaller. And that's kind of the, the unique thing is that Oregon State is a lot of these receivers that are six foot and under. You know, Trevon Bradford is six foot, 190 pounds, 185 pounds. Colby Taylor is kind of a unique guy where he's built more like a running back at five foot 11 and 210 pounds. But he's, you know, he's a slot guy through and through for the, for the Beavers. So, that's going to provide an interesting matchup. You know, if Clark Phillips is in fact going to play in the slot this week, like he did last week. Uh, and I think, it, you know, it'll provide a unique challenge for Phillips just because how often, you know, has Clark gone up against a player of that stature, right? Where he's typically gone up against, you know, the receivers that are taller and slim and, and slimmer, you know, how often is he going up against the guy that's 5'11, 210, 210 pounds, uh, but still, athletic enough to play receivers. So, uh, you know, that'll provide an interesting matchup and maybe Utah elects to go with more of that three safety look, um, you know, with, uh, with Vontae, Nate and, uh, and, and Nephi 
uh, just to kind of offset the size factor. But uh, yeah, Oregon State's going to utilize uh, their tight ends. They'll they'll utilize a, a few receivers, but none of them. You know, Trevon Bradford is is a good receiver, but he, you know he's not the same type of receiver uh, that Isaiah Hodgins was uh, for Oregon State last year in that matchup against Jalen Johnson. They don't have that type of receiver on uh, you know on this Beaver team, uh, but they've got some good options, some young options that are you know kind of learning and going through it right now. Uh, but yeah, I definitely intrigued to see the matchup between Bradford and Taylor uh, against Clark Phillips and Travis Brown. I think that'll be an interesting matchup uh, that I'll be keeping my eye on, eyes on in particular just because of you know these the unique skill sets that those two bring to the table for the Beavers. Um, defensively, uh, this is a team that has looked okay at times. We, we kind of rallied off right. uh, a few of the a few of their, their score lines, you know, they kept, for example, they kept Washington to just 27, Cal to just 27, you know, but, you know, you look back, Washington's offense is okay. Cal's, boy, I can't tell you the last time Cal has had, really, I guess, Jared Goff when he was around would have been the last time they had a somewhat sufficient offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're two teams that are okay. They gave up 38 to an Oregon offense and 38 to obviously Washington State. What do you make of this defense? Who are the playmakers? Who do Utah fans need to keep an eye on? Yeah, you know, when I when I look at this Oregon State defense and what they've done and kind of how they've performed so far, the word that comes to mind is opportunistic. Uh, these guys have are turning the ball over um, because, you know, they're not doing – they're not playing defense the way that, you know, we're used to at Utah where, you know, it's limiting the running game and kind of limiting the yardage totals. Oregon State still in, still giving up, you know, on average, you know, over six yards of play um, and, and over five yards every every run. Uh, so you know they're giving up yards. They're, this is not a, a stifling defense where they're going to really limit um, Utah's potential to to gain yards. But what they've done is, you know, they've created a lot of turnovers. They lead the conference right now in interceptions with five. Uh, you know, Utah's tied for second with four after they got three of those last last week against Washington. Um, you know, and they've just kind of been opportunistic where they've made plays and key moments um, to get the ball back to the offense. And that that was kind of the case, you know, against that was, you know, that wasn't kind of the case. That was exactly the case last week against Oregon. I mean, you look at the box score, Oregon was able to put up significant yardage totals like they were, they were doing what they needed to on offense. They just didn't take care of the ball. And so, you know, this Oregon State defense, uh, when I look at them, that's exactly, you know, the, the number one bullet point this week, as it's been <laughs> the last two weeks. But, you know, you really have to emphasize it this week is, you know, you're going to be able to, to gain yards and to move the ball and to stay on offense. Um, but you've got to be able – you've got to take care of the ball this week. You know, otherwise – you know, this Oregon State defense, is, is they will capitalize on those mistakes, you know, and they'll turn the ball over and, and get the ball back to their offense. So, you know, that's that's kind of what stands out to me about this Oregon State defense. Just you look at the you look at what they've given up in terms of yards. And it's not all that impressive. Uh, but then you look at what they've done to to turn the ball over. And it's you know, they're at the top of the conference. So you've got to respect that. Um and, but Utah is still going to be – Utah should be able to 
to get some things done in the running game and in the passing game um, to keep the offense on the field. And, and, you know, eventually, hopefully uh, we see the uh, Utah offense score some more points. Right. So inside, inside linebackers, Avery Roberts and Omar Spates, they right now lead the team in tackles. So kind of the, mm-hmm. I guess when it comes to tackles, that that's where they, they look for their linebackers to come into play. And then, of course, we can't, we can't not forget to bring up Hamilcar Rashid or Rashad, yeah. uh, he he kind of he led the Pac-12 in sacks um, what a year ago now. So now he hasn't quite been as effective as he was, but you know nonetheless a threat when it comes to kind of the pass rush for uh, for Oregon State. So just some players for Utah fans out there to keep uh, to keep in mind and and I, I do yeah. think you know what what you were talking about kind of the opportunistic approach from from the Beavers. You know their secondary has seen. Vast improvement, in my opinion, anyway, under Coach Smith. Um, they've gotten better and better as the years have gone on. So, you know, don't don't be fooled, Utah yeah. fans. This is a defense that the numbers may not be there, but but they're certainly you know productive when they when they want to be, I guess. Um, and they've got some players yeah. that can really show up if uh, if you give them a sniff, anyway. So, oh, I can't remember Steve, I, the last time I, this Utah. Sorry, you go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to add, you brought up the secondary and a name that, you know, we need to mention uh-huh. uh, is, is Nashawn Wright. Um, he's, he's the, the, the guy kind of leading the way in, in the Beaver secondary. He's only allowed, uh, he's allowed less than 53% of, of targets his way for completions. So he's, he's been super effective in coverage. And he's kind of the guy leading the way in that Beaver secondary. So, you know, you, you mentioned a few playmakers. I wanted to make sure that, you know, we got Nation Wright's name out there because he's arguably um, the, 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 the top playmaker in, in the Beaver secondary. Perfect. Um, I was just going to bring up again, I, I can't remember the last time turnovers, you know, there was such, such an emphasis from Utah fans on, on turnovers. I mean, you know what are we at now? Uh, four turnovers in in two games, or nine turnovers in two games? Something ludicrous. Um, what is the official number, Steve? I'm going brain dead for a split second. Uh, they are I'm pulling it up right now. Sorry. Turnover margin. So I think it's they're currently minus four. Oh, there you go. In terms of turnover margin. But they've lost nine, so that's they've right. okay. given the ball away nine times. And you brought it so up. That's, yeah, that's not going to get it done. No, done. the big week for the Utah offense, uh, big, big week. I mean, yep. Jake Bentley just has to be better with the football to give the this football team a better chance. Um, and I have faith, hopefully. He can, he's a senior player. He's been around the, the game of football now for quite some time, and he showcased himself at, on the biggest stage in the SEC. So... Um, you know, if anybody has the capability, you, you'd throw kind of his name in there when you look at the other uh, quarterbacks on the roster. Um, hey, you know what else is wild? I, I do want to quickly bring this up. And then we do have some questions on uh, that people have, have asked on Twitter that, that we'll get to as well. You t- so Utah opened this game anywhere from a 9 to 10-point favorite, depending on the bookie that you, uh, that, that you bet with. I guess in Utah, you, you know, it's not legal, so you'd have to be in the state of Pennsylvania yeah. or Nevada. But you know, nine to ten points determined depending on where you bet. But you know that's stretched out now to eleven to eleven and a half. Steve, the lines moved to eleven to eleven. So all the money's coming in in favor of Utah. I imagine that's simply because starting quarterback uh, Jebbia is is has been ruled out or is assumed to to not play. Right? I mean, that has to be it. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought, I thought yeah, a nine-point line was, was yeah. quite a stretch. And now it's at 11, 11 and I, a half. Yeah, I was surprised to see that minus nine. And, you know, maybe they maybe they knew something um, about Jibia before the rest of us found out when when they, they made that line. Did. But, yeah, when that came out is – yeah, I mean, it's Vegas, like, of course. But, uh, but minus nine, I was pretty surprised to see that, especially con- considering, you know, the fact that Oregon State just beat Oregon – who was playing well, uh, and now they've kind of put together two really good games. And Utah, you know, they haven't looked all that impressive through through two games in terms of, you know, a full 60-minute performance. I was pretty surprised to see that minus nine uh, at the opening. But now that, you know, the news has come out that Jebby is out, um, you know, I, it makes more sense to me. I'm surprised that it moved, you know, again. But, yeah, I think that that's, that's probably pretty fair, considering that, you know, Oregon State's strengths – is you know obviously the run game and the, the strength of this Utah team is obviously defending the run, uh, and so I yeah I think it makes I think it makes sense now now that we know that Jebby is out for yeah. for the game and probably the rest of the season. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I do feel bad for the young yeah. man because he 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 looked to be quite it's, promising. Uh, all right, couple questions. Especially from... how it happened. I know, I know. It was it was you know hamstrings are weird like that. You can never yeah. predict them, and they just go when they want to go when it's time. Uh, yeah. right at the end of the game too, Oregon, you know, if you're an Oregon fan, you go, God, couldn't he have pulled his hammy, you know, a quarter ago, we probably would have won this game. But um, anyway, as is the case, he's, he's now done. And it seems to be a little more serious. They've, they've, they've like shipped him off to another city to get reevaluated. I mean, they have, yeah. you know, like, it, I don't know, did he tear it off the bloody bone? What's he done? But uh, chances are he's not going to play. Uh, Peace, love, and Newt on Twitter uh, comes in and says, what's the key for our defense to shut down Jamar Jefferson? How well would the younger defense do that? I think we've answered that for the most part but earlier in the podcast, Steve. Um, yeah. I, I think you, I think Carl Woodycam does everything he can to prevent Utah, uh, to prevent Parliament Beavers from running the football effectively. In my opinion, anyway, if you, if you can stop the Beaver run game, then you've probably won the game, right? I mean, I just don't expect backup quarterback uh, Chase Nolan to come in and really do much through the air. So you know you almost right. want you almost want to force the Beavers to to throw the football, put them in third and longs, and by doing that you you've got to stop the run because you assume they're going to try and run the football on first and second down, right? Yeah, no, I I agree, and I think you know just to kind of emphasize the point with with Jefferson in terms of you know limiting him again, you know he's found a lot of his success running inside. Um, He's just been able to get to the second and third levels, kind of open it up and and show off his speed. So, you know, when you talk about that Utah defense, uh, the heart of that defense is the defensive tackle group. And Vianney Moala has been playing well through the first two games. You know, he's been uh, just a force on the inside and has really kind of helped Utah be as effective against the run, um, you know, as, as they have been. So, you know, Vianney Moala is going to be key to that. Hawati Pututau is going to be key uh, to their uh, to their uh, effort in limiting Jefferson. Uh, but you know, it's it's a total team effort when you're talking about limiting a a player that is playing as well as Jefferson is right now. So um, you know, again, Jefferson is finding a, a lot of success running inside, uh, which is right into the heart of that Utah defense. So uh, you, you see that, you hear that, and and you know that should give Utah fans confidence that Utah should be able to at least limit Jefferson, um, uh, you know, from his 
from his uh, production that he's been getting over the last couple of weeks. Brent Sedgwick comes in. What do we know about the OSU backup quarterback? What do they plan for if Gabia can't or Jebbia can't play? Uh, again, I think we kind of hinted at this. Um, expect, expect, uh, expect early pressure uh, for Chase Nolan. Uh, he he can run the football. I mean, they won the game essentially against Oregon uh, with a read option, uh, it, albeit you know from half a yard out, but or or a few inches at that. But uh, you know, I think I think again he's going to probably be a little tentative, a little hesitant to to throw the football down the field anyway. So I imagine what they're going to try and do. This is just my best guess because this is what most teams do when they uh, start playing a quarterback that hasn't had many reps is. Get him throwing these smaller, easier completions early, you know, like a like a little slant route or a five-yard out or, or, get, or get him out of the pocket, get him moving, get the blood flowing, try and just get him into some sort of rhythm, right? I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that. Uh, and then maybe even tuck it and run every now and again with, with that RPO we, we've kind of talked about. So, you know, that's... That's essentially what I would plan for, but but yeah, you you got to stop the run as as we were just talking about. That's certainly priority number one. Yeah. Backup quarterbacks. I mean, they're down. They're well down the list of of um, well, you know, when it comes to responsibilities come game day. I mean, you know, they're, they're you just unless it's you know very very seldom does a backup quarterback ever come in and and really do much you know i mean I, I, the alex smiths of the world at utah just don't happen really anymore uh, right yeah so that's yeah, kind no, of where and, i would go yeah and you know and we're we're oregon state you know this isn't <laughs> you know this isn't usc it isn't alabama where you've got a four-star kid sitting on you know on the sideline that you can throw out there and have them throw it to other four-star receivers it's it's a very different uh, game when you're talking about a backup quarterback at a program like Oregon State, uh, and so it's it's going to be it's going to be difficult for him. You know how well does he handle um, the pressure from Utah? You know how well does he handle you know just the Utah defense and what they'll do? Uh, the Utah does typically does a very good job in um, making things difficult for for you know first time starters at quarterback. Um, so, you know, we'll see, uh, but yeah, Chase Nolan, good athlete, dual threat type of a guy. And, you know, it's, it's going to be important that, that Utah focuses on him and limiting his ability to, to be effective in the run game as well. And then the last question we'll get to today is, uh, from Fox on a box. And this is probably the best question of the bunch, in my opinion. And, and Steve, I'll let you have first, first crack at this, but he says, how do you shake up <laughs> blowing a 21 point lead, losing a game that felt quote in hand must be a mental nightmare. What does the team do to let that game influence this one? Man, I tell you what, that is a great question. And, you know, I think what you have to do as a team you really have to just dive into the film and see what went wrong and be, you know, mindful of the fact that, yeah, you let a 21 point lead <laughs> slip away. And that's, you know, that's difficult to handle sometimes. Uh, but I think, you know, you get in the film, you see what went wrong, you see what opportunities were missed. You go out and practice, you work on those things and, you know, you, you just continue to work on, um, what, what, what you find success in, uh, and you just continue to work. And I think that's, that's kind of the thing, 
is, you know, it's through these first two games, it's been a difficult time for Utah because of what they've had to go through with their COVID outbreak. They're getting their feet back under them. Um, But, you know, now's the time to start making real progress. And I, I thought we saw, you know, a fair amount of progress from quarterback Jake Bentley. Uh, but, you know, there has to be more from him. And I think with him being a senior and having kind of been through this before in the past, um, you know, he understands what it's going to take and what he needs to work on. And, you know, he's got to step up this weekend for Utah, you know, and, and really kind of provide his receiver some opportunities down the field. Um, and then also, you know, the offensive line. That group has to be better. You know, they, they improved, um, you know, from, from USC to Washington. They improved in that week. They played a lot better, I thought. But they still have to, they have to get even better. Um, and, and against Oregon State, they should do that. And so, you know, you want to see progress and, and things that you're working on, you know, as individual groups. Those are still the focus. But, you know, to shake off, just the emotional letdown of giving up that lead. That's tough, man. And you can speak more to that because, you know, I, I didn't play college football, Tom, but I, it's, it's, you know, I can't imagine just the emotional letdown. Uh, but you know, you, you just, you have to be critical of yourself and you have to, you know, find where, where things went wrong and, and work on those things. Well, to echo kind of what you would, you've been talking about it, you know, obviously certain position groups need to play better than they have done this year. And, you know, but maybe more importantly, um, certain individuals around the program, leaders, coaches, the leadership group, captains, yeah. whoever it may be. I mean, you don't have to have any sort of credibility either. If, if you're somebody that's good at speaking in front of a, a crowd, a public speaker, then, then, then be the leader and, and get up there and, and, and motivate the players. I think that's the most important thing right now is this is a young group um, that, that I'm sure, I'm sure, I have no doubt that Coach Whittingham and, and certain assistant coaches have, have gotten stuck into them, you know, about, about how they've played. You know, the offensive line, yeah. for example. I guarantee you Coach Witt gave them a bit of a spray uh, after the first week against USC. And he maybe gave him another spray after uh, Washington. I don't know. But, but there are, you know, there's only so much screaming and shouting you know, that, that can be done. Yeah. Uh, confidence right now is as important as anything. And especially, and I can't kind of talk about this enough or emphasize this enough, but, you know, with how young this group is, um, the, these are all, these, these losses are okay. It's all learning curves for these guys. Mm-hmm. Look, at the end of the day, 2020 does not matter. It just doesn't. Nobody's going to look back and say, oh, do you remember that great college football season from 2020? No. You know, half the big games aren't even being played for crying out loud. And so, you know, just just getting games is as important as anything right now. And and with this young group, it's it's about staying positive, staying upbeat, knowing that you're on the right path. Right. You know, and it, and it's going to be bumpy. It'll continue to be bumpy. It may be bumpy in 2021. Eventually, it'll click. Uh, and this this group will be good. So, leadership right Great now points. from from the top down, I think, is really important. Uh, and it starts with Coach Whittingham. And it's okay, you know. He's a he's a very he's a perfectionist, right? As as I'm sure many of you imagine, um, you know. But sometimes a bit of positivity and a pat on the back, you know, it can go a long way. So, um, so that's kind of where yeah. I would be if I was a part of this team and and trying to fix some of the issues going on now. Steve, uh, you, we, I guess we've got a basketball game. We probably should should get to. 
my son is screaming upstairs. He's not happy with dad, so I've got to put my dad hat on. And you've got <laughs> bigger fish to fry than talking to me. So we, uh, we ought to wrap this show up by saying thank you again to Nate Wade Subaru. If you haven't checked out KSLSports.com, we highly recommend it. Uh, and as we spoke about earlier, Udzone.com is is the place, not not the best, but the the only place to get insight, University of Utah football and basketball conversations, uh, and you can get a seven-day free trial. Uh, Steve, my man, I'm sure I'll speak to you well before game day. It's an 8.30 yeah. kick. What is it, ESPN? ESPN. Back 12 right. after dark. There we go. It's about to get wild <laughs> in Salt Lake City. Uh, much love to you, my man. Uh, thanks to all our listeners. We'll be back next week. Years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.